0: No matter if you're entering into a market where someone's already done what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. you still have to decide from the very basic level, like who you are, what's your business, what's your brand, and you have to build it and you're going to get it wrong. And so you're going to get like halfway there and you're like, oh, that's not what I really want. Let's reinvent mm-hmm. ourselves. Let's go back to the, like, wipe it all clean. Cause we've done that a couple of times where yeah. we've like, we don't like this brand that we're putting out there. Like, let's try this again. Welcome to
1: Hustle & Gather, a podcast about inspiring the everyday entrepreneur to take the leap. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we're two sisters who love business. On this show, we talk about the ups and downs of the hustle
0: and the reward
1: at the end of the journey.
0: And we know all the challenges that come with starting a business. Between operating our wedding venue, doing speaking and consulting, and starting our luxury wedding planning company, we wake up and hustle every day.
1: And today we're talking, just the two of us, about last week's episode with Abby, founder of For Her Empire. If you haven't heard last week's episode, go give it a listen and come back to hear our thoughts. All right, Court, let's get started. All right. Well, that was high energy.
0: It was. Yes. I loved it. I I knew it was going to be good from the minute when she talked about her CV and how she said it was her name. Her email, her reference, someone she knew that would lie for her, and that boring paragraph about herself.
1: I know. I (laughs) thought thought that was so funny. I
0: know it was. So I thought, what would my boring paragraph say? What
1: would your boring paragraph say?
0: I don't know. Probably say that I was uh, ambitious and creative and loyal. And I love whatever industry I'm applying for. So that's pretty generic. I know. That's what they are. That's why they're boring. Oh, we're not specific.
1: What I would say. I'm an out-of-the-box thinker. And that's it. And that's it. The end. <laughs> I'm an out of the box thinker. No, I'm about out of the box thinker. I love to be creative
0: mm.
1: and help other people be their best creative You're selves. Right. This is
0: extremely boring. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know about ambitious. I would say semi procrastinating.
0: Mm. Yeah, but I thought it was great. I loved her.
1: I love how she said that she put the person on there that would lie for her. I know. Who's the person that you would sign up or
0: put down to lie for you? It'd probably be you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I have lied for people before, in jobs. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, so it should be you. Would you lie for me?
0: I am. I'm actually a really good liar.
1: That is. That's actually true. I probably would put you. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe you
0: would not be a good person (laughs) because you're not a very good liar. (laughs) I'd lie for you. Yeah, you would, but you wouldn't be good at it. I think I could be convincing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I
1: love how she talked about that first business, mm-hmm. right? She did a little job, and then she was like, I'm going to go out on my own. I need to make more money. And she had this first business, and she said, I'm good at graphic design. Mm. And so she went out on this her own graphic design company. Well, she and taught
0: herself graphic taught design. Taught yeah. But she said,
1: yes, I'm good at it, yeah. right? And she decided that it was something that was so close to her, like her creativity, mm-hmm. her designs were so close to her that she felt like she couldn't take criticism. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, that's true. Like, I've definitely felt like there is – times in my life where there was something that was like so close to me that I like Mm -hmm. couldn't take criticism about it definitely in business oh yeah yeah I mean I felt like totally the Bradford at the very beginning was that way for
0: us well I still feel like you feel that way like you have a really hard time taking criticism of the Bradford it's true so we had this group of no 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 we had this group of and of college students come and tour the Bradford right yeah And they are in this event management class. And so they went and we ended up having a follow-up meeting with the professor because we were trying to just multiple reasons. And he was saying how the the class came back and he said, okay, what would you change? And he's telling us in this meeting, like the things that these people would change. And I could just see Courtney and she's like trying to justify why we made these decisions and how it is. And the truth is they don't have any of the background, but like – I did not feel like I had to justify one to, like, a 22-year-old who knew nothing about it. Like, I didn't have, like, the same, like, need yeah. to be like, well, this is why we made this decision. Like, there's reasons for it. But I could tell that you were, like, getting not – you weren't even ups- – you weren't upset about it.
1: I was angry about no, it. No, but you
0: were, like – you felt like you had to prove why you made that choice. I personally <laughs>
1: felt like in that – and I knew you were going to say this – I personally felt like they were not taking into
0: consideration impervious surface rules surrounding the but county. It but it doesn't matter. <laughs> but you but you know they don't know that. But so to me, like, they could say that. And I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely correct. That is a total valid point that I would love it if the parking lot wasn't how it was. But this is, you know, part of the reason why it is. But I don't need to. I didn't, I didn't feel defensive about it. I didn't feel like I was like I had to justify it because they don't know. The whole point of it is it's a learning experience for these people, right? I
1: guess I can accept your criticism if I agree with it <laughs> is what it is. Like if someone came to me and said the Bradford has some shitty kitchen cabinets, I'd be like, you know what? The Bradford does have some shitty kitchen cabinets. Yeah. I agree with that. You can mm-hmm. criticize it all you want. Sure. Or like maybe there's one too many scuff marks on a, on a baseboard. I would mm-hmm. be like, amen, preach it. Like I feel the same way. But if I feel like it's unwarranted or like you don't have all the information and you're criticizing – then I think I have a hard time with that.
0: I will agree with that.
1: Yeah. I personally think for me, it stems back to like our family. Like Mm -hmm. it comes back, like when I think about criticism and like unwarranted criticism, or I think you should X, Y, Z, it brings me right back to like aunts, cousins, uncles, all the things of people telling you, this is what you should do. And I'm like,
0: but "But you have no idea, but I don't know why that bothers you so much. I mean, it literally, they say the same thing to me. And I, I just smile and grim like, yeah, that's a great idea. And then I don't give it any two shits thoughts after it because it doesn't matter. I know that they don't know anything about it. I know they have no understanding of why we are making the decisions we're making. And and I didn't come to them and ask them questions. So I don't value their opinion. So just speaking out of their ass is what sure. I feel like it is. Do sure. you know what I'm saying? No, I understand that. It's
1: more along those lines.
0: Yeah. But I think but I think the, the crucial difference between me and you is like that gets under your skin, where for me, that is the one thing I could totally just like brush off because I'm like, because I I don't respect them. I don't value their opinion. So I don't I just don't care. Where I have a hard time taking criticism is kind of where you're saying it's where I I feel like I've been wronged and most of the time it's about like it's more about me. It's not about a product. It's not about like my building. It's not about my design or whatever. It's more about something having to do with me like an action that I took and then it being misconstrued in a certain way. Yeah. Like when someone comes to me and says they want to give me criticism or feedback on the way I handle the situation and it's because they feel like I acted in a way that was malicious or whatever when that really wasn't my intent. That is when I have a really hard time with it because yeah. it's like those things like, well, you know me, like, why would you ever think that I would do that? You've done that to me before, like in fights. You're like, you think, blah, blah. blah. I'm like, I don't, I've, I've, those words have never came out of my mouth. I actually do not think that, you know? I think that the Bradford and our business is such a huge part of your identity, of who you are as a person, that when someone criticizes it, it literally feels like they're criticizing you like you can't separate the two as to like it's my business and to who you are like they're so intertwined.
1: I think yes and no. I think yes. <laughs> I know you think yes because you just said it, but I I mean I could see that at some point, but there is a lot about my life that's not related to the business at this point. Well,
0: okay, so maybe in the past year this is slowly going it's separating itself but for the past like five six years is what I it was definitely
1: I mean yes. I definitely think that whenever which is when we're
0: talking about these times when you get the most angry about criticism it's like it's in those years of
1: but I would time. like to say this conversation with this Meredith people that, that was, was like two months just ago. two <laughs> months ago I wasn't like upset about it I was just no, trying I to I simply poke holes
0: it. on like this is why you have these but, things. The, but that's the whole like but that was like the whole point of the exercise for these yeah. students is for them to to say to the owners, this is what I think should happen. And for you to graciously say, like, I think that is actually a really great design idea. And I love that design idea. And I would execute that design idea, except for
1: I'd like to say this was not presented by students. This it was literally not. just him but like He, off he the was just saying, he was off the cuff saying, yeah. which is
0: which again is another reason why I should have just like blown over and been like, I oh, that'd be great. Been idea. Like, oh,
1: impervious surface. No, bad idea.
0: Right. But I mean, that's the whole point was they were to pitch it and then for them to to get a roadblock and say, well, we have this issue, so how would you solve this now? And I, and maybe they can come up with a different idea that would work great. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think that and just like ending this conversation on
0: criticism. <laughs>
1: is like my highly
0: uncomfortable. I know, criticism. but it's like
1: my conscious self and my subconscious self are at war with each other sure, over that. Totally. So like when someone criticizes, I don't consciously care. I'm not looking for validation from like a 22 year old student. I'm not looking for validation from like a unsuccessful family member that's telling me how mm. I should run my business. Right. I don't need validation from either of them, but right. why does it annoy me so much? I don't know. That's what's so bizarre to me.
0: I think it goes back to what she said, like what she realized when she learned how to actually take criticism was that what she's saying was small to her, but it was big to somebody else. Yeah. And I think that there are things that are big to us and as people that we don't know about it maybe until it faces – like we have to like hear criticism or –
1: I think for me, like when I think about like just particular people that I'm getting criticism from – I consider the source and if I feel like they're criticizing something that I'm doing to level the playing field for them or to make them feel better, Mm -hmm. like, or, or that they're like imparting something, Mm -hmm. do you know what I'm saying? That's what annoys me. Mm -hmm. Like you're trying to speak into my business or my success or my life because somehow it makes you feel more valid about what's not going right in your life.
0: Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But do you think that's a reflection of them or a reflection of you?
1: Like how you're feeling about it, do you think that's an actual... Oh, how I'm feeling about it is probably a reflection of me. Right. But I think what they're doing is a reflection of them. So, I mean, maybe both. Mm-hmm. I don't know.
0: I can see that. I think with certain characters, yes, I think there is some yeah. proof in that. No, And because there's history and there's evidence and proof. Right. right? I think for majority of people that are coming at you as a friend, as a a student or whatever, that, they're, that is not what yeah. it is. Yeah, that totally is not. literally just a... I just want to learn more, be more, be helpful type thing. But Yeah, like
1: if another venue owner came to me and said, hey, I think you should X, Y, Z, and it was like out of constructive, like I Mm -hmm. think this would be a better whatever, like I would totally take that.
0: Yeah, but it's why I don't ever give really – I don't ever impart advice on anybody, especially another venue owner, unless they specifically ask me a question, and I will answer that specific question. But I will not freely give up information because I understand how hard it is to take that for someone to – Especially where we are considered a successful venue, as a new venue and telling a new venue like, oh, you should do X, Y, Z, and they're not doing that. Like how mm-hmm. like hard that would be to hear. Yeah, and you may just, not be able to, right? And yeah. it's just not fair, you know. So yeah. I do play that. I'm actually very quiet, and I do not give criticism um, unless someone specifically asks me for it. Yeah. pertains to business. So unless
1: you're like my employee or like maybe my child or whatever. I'm not no. like an overly critical person to other businesses. Right. I'm not one to go and speak into somebody else's business no. at all. Like no. I keep my opinion to myself.
0: Right. Unless they ask. and But I, I love, I love dissecting it. I think that's where like part of our joy of like doing like venue consulting yeah. comes in is because we love looking at it and like, here's our problem. This is what we want to solve. Here's how we can do that. And like getting really creative, thinking outside the box because it's not we're not in our box or in our venue or in something else, and it's really, it's really fun that and it's fun. really exciting to try and and to I don't know. Look on the outside of it, and every single time, I feel like too, it makes our business stronger because you realize something about the market or you realize a strategy. You're like, oh, this is a great idea. Like, we should utilize this as well. Yeah, it's also I know. I do. Why we that. don't like consult in our market
1: <laughs> <laughs> outside of our market? I
0: know. But, I mean, to uh, the last thing I want to talk about criticism, and I really loved this, was in the beginning when she was saying how she didn't even realize, because when she started her business, it was all her friends and family that were that she was doing this for. And they really weren't paying clients, so therefore they had no right to say anything. And it wasn't until that first paying client that she realized, oh, I'm not good at this. This is when she said, it's it's too close to me. And I, it made me really think about when we first started and how much we devalued ourselves. Like mm-hmm. we did things for free. We did things for nominal cost and how hard it was for people to respect us yeah. because they weren't paying us.
1: That's right. I think people place value on money. So mm-hmm. what they have spent money on, they value. Right. Like they don't see you as an expert, even though you may be. Like right. Like the top of your field if they're not paying you something right they don't value you as that expert
0: well especially in the beginning when you're saying like because we did two weddings for free in the beginning and it was like oh we're just trying to build our portfolio so therefore they didn't think that we knew what we were doing at all yeah and there was a lot of we didn't know we were doing but we were just in here i and this sounds so braggarty but like inherently we were good at it like we were just good at it and there was a lot of about who we were how we operate like how we think that made us good at what we did. Were we perfect 100%? Like, no, not at all. But it was definitely something we were like, we're we're in the right lane, you know? Yeah. And we were not respected for that because we were like,
1: we're just going to try this out, you know? Even just like the work ethic, like how much effort and work it goes into, like putting together some of these events, I felt right. like was just negated because they didn't pay for it. Oh, yeah. Like it was just kind of like taken for granted. Right. right. You know what I mean? Right. We learned that lesson even later on in our a business where we gave somebody the venue for free and we decided we were never going to do that again. Mm-hmm. Like we, even that just kind of felt like, and it wasn't as the person, Mm-mm. but it was how the mentality, it, the bit. mentality, but how it made us feel. Right. right. Like it didn't make us feel valued and appreciated. Mm. You know, it made us feel a little bit like put out in some ways. And it was very clear that Maybe not all the money, but money's had to be exchanged. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. To make every partner feel comfortable. Right, right. And so I think that there is something said to paying for a service or a good or whatever it is that makes you put place more value mm-hmm. on it. Right. And take it seriously.
0: Yeah, I agree. I thought that then when she said that, I immediately thought of those first two years and I was like, oh, I would never want to go back there again. No,
1: no. Never I again. not want to go back either.
0: I think to your point too, it wasn't even that, like I said, we only did two weddings for free, but it took us years to learn that lesson because it wasn't that we did it for free, but we didn't value ourselves enough to charge what we thought we should charge or we would throw something in for free. Like our, one of our very worst reviews, I think we mentioned it on the podcast here, was because the client didn't want to pay for servers and we just said we would do it. Yeah. Because we didn't, we didn't want to, we wanted to seem like a team player. We wanted to seem like we were invested and really all it did was made us do our job poorly because we weren't (laughs) present because we were bussing these tables right yep
1: we were servers and not planners
0: i know and i was pregnant and it was hot
1: (laughs) (laughs) it was in a backyard it was in a backyard it was was very difficult it was but lesson learned
0: i also really loved when she talked about the difference of being an employee and an employer and she said because as an employer you have to make the damn thing from scratch and i felt that very deeply yeah yes you do That is true. I know, but I just, I remember there were so many times I would come home and be like, oh, I just want to go work at a bridal salon because I love, I love brides and I love weddings, but I don't want to, I don't want to own this anymore. I just want to go work for somebody. Mm -hmm. I just want to like turn this off at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm like, go work for somebody. I don't want to own this shit.
1: Yeah. And then like on the other flip side of it is like there's been times that we had the employee that we
0: hired erroneously
1: and fired erroneously and then went off to do their own business. Like, Obviously, you made it look too easy. Oh, I know. You're like thinking, oh, like this is a walk in the park. But there's actually a whole lot that goes into building mm-hmm. a business and bu- building a brand and mm-hmm. coming alongside as an employee is not the same thing as oh, no. starting something. And there's
0: no, there's no security. Right. Yeah. Like that's the hard part is there's no security. And it's even even now, like when you're looking at it, you're like, oh, we're, we're doing well. And I always tell my husband, I was like, I cannot guarantee one quarter to the next. I can guarantee what's going in the account this quarter. And that is it. <laughs> That's right. I can project and I can give you some percentage of certainty, but I cannot <laughs> guarantee anything until right now. So do not bank anything we need yeah. on what you think I'm going to make, because this is all that I can guarantee right now.
1: That's true. That's totally true. Yeah.
0: And I think that well, as No a, one shit's going to hit the no, fan. you have no idea. You don't know if someone's going to break. You gotta, I know. I mean, like, what have we done this year? We've had to replace two... What and, have
1: we done? We've, like, we've a replaced new, two ACs. A, two AC units.
0: We've fixed all the windows.
1: Yep. We installed a new fence.
0: We did install a new fence.
1: We have fixed the plumbing 30,000 times. 30
0: mazillion times. Yes, yeah, so and now we're getting
1: new toilets that are automatic flush because so people expensive. cannot flush toilets apparently, apparently in an event venue. I don't well, they n- they're just
0: too aggressive. I don't know. I feel like we're just one disaster away from being like, oh, there goes the savings. That's right. And there goes the buffer. And there's no more buffer. So therefore, you're back to normal programming of what you used to make before. That's
1: right. So yeah, I definitely think it's very different being the employer than being the employee, and I yes. think you have to have more than just the creativity. Like you have to want to own a business.
0: I do think that, and I and I I just I don't know. I like can totally envision that. Like when she just. The, the idea of how you have to make it from scratch, no matter what. No matter if you're entering into a market where someone's already done what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. you still have to decide from the very basic level, like who you are, what's your business, what's your brand. And you have to build it and you're going to get it wrong. And so you're going to get like halfway there and you're like, oh, that's not what I really want. Let's reinvent mm-hmm. ourselves. Let's go back to the, like, wipe it all clean. Cause we've done that a couple of times where we've yeah. like, we don't like this brand that we're putting out there. Like, Let's try this again, yeah. Like, let's revamp, revamp, and relaunch and redo. And if I hear the word launch one more time in the next two years, <laughs> oh my gosh, we've launched this, we've launched that, we've launched this. We've no launched more launching, no so more launching. Over, That's right?
1: <laughs> just gonna sail. It's gonna sail. Can <laughs>
0: we, can we just please plateau? That's can right. we just like,
1: just.
0: <laughs> can we? Can just, we? Can can we? we have, I don't know. No, it's impossible. <laughs>
1: It is impossible. I I also like how she was talking about how just because you like something Mm -hmm. doesn't mean you should make it a business.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: That's always been hard for me. Yeah, I agree. Even like outside of work, like thinking, oh, I love this. I can make this a business. I can make this a Mm -hmm. business. And there is some maturity in being able to say I love doing this and it doesn't have to make me money.
0: Oh, yeah, I know. But I actually don't really have that problem. I think prior to owning the business, I w- would have I had that mentality. One, I think it is again a, a product of our upbringing. Like everything had everything had a monetary value, to, and we make it sound like we had this like we like our have crazy people that we our family and every family is slightly crazy, but they're all very loving. But I feel like it was always we collected things because it, were, it was going to be worth money one day, right? Think about like the Beanie Baby craze, or oh yes, yes, yes. He would find. Like our family is like, like one step away from hoarders, I believe.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of stuff.
0: Like they went, but but they love things, and, and they must love dusting. And it, but it's not it's not that they love things in terms of like materialistically, but there's there's some emotional connection to this knickknack and it reminds them of the auction they went to, and they got this. Like there's all these stories, yeah. and I do love that, and I think it's very sentimental, and I am a very sentimental person. But a lot of it, it was purchased, it was found because it was worth money. Like, oh, I found this, what's that, that, like, cast iron something. It's like
1: grismald or something. Yeah, like,
0: thing, and it's worth money, and they hold it. And I'm like, well, are you going to sell it? They're never going to sell it. But there's something about that. Yeah. That value of of owning it, right? And so, and I feel like there was always that, like, oh, this, you have to monetize what you love. Yeah. Right? And I think once we opened C&D, and it, honestly, I don't even think it was a Bradford that I think it was C&D. And I was like, I don't I don't need to do this, this yeah. isn't, because it's not easy. And I I recognize that, like, I can look at something and be like, oh, I can make uh, this and make money on it. And, like, I don't – I know I have to, like, market it. And then I have to actually make all this shit for it. And then I have I to, like, figure that. out how to pay taxes on it. And I'm like, I don't want to do that. I'd rather mm-hmm. just give it to you. <laughs> Like, this is my charity project here.
1: I know. But I think a lot of people, like, maybe they're trying to support their hobby by monetizing it. Sure. Right? But I I personally think that that is no way to be successful. Mm -hmm. Like, I think you have got to have a passion for what you're doing. But you have to also have a passion for, like, business Mm -hmm. in general. You do. And if you don't have a passion for it, like, it's not going to be successful. I think it's very few people who. I know. Have a jobby, a job Mm -hmm. hobby that makes it into something that's actually like a business or an actual job. But yeah, I, I totally love that. You can just be good at something and just be good at something Mm. and it not do anything but just bring you joy or enjoyment. Right. Like I think that I am a fairly decent quilter, Mm quilt maker. I mean, I definitely could be better if like if I practice more, but I enjoy it like three months out of the year, um, and I don't enjoy it outside of that. And there was a time where I was like, I could sell these quilts. Mm. I don't want to do that. No. I don't want the pressure of that at all. And then mm-hmm. I and then I think about it. I'm like, okay, well, I've spent $90 on fabric. I've spent $30 on the stuffing. Mm-hmm. And then I've put in 80 hours of my time. Like, what would I have to sell this quilt for mm-hmm. to make it worth my time? It's something like $2,000. No one's buying my $2,000 quilt. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Right. So I think that sometimes you are devaluing what you're doing when you're trying to put some sort of dollar amount and make money on it. Like, it would be very demoralizing to me to take my quilt and be like, here's a $200 quilt.
0: Yes. But if you, like, really loved it, you'd get, like, a quilt maker, essentially, like, a quilter, like a big arm quilter that could quilt it quickly. Yeah, but then I think I think about
1: the logic of that. Like those things are crazy expensive. Like how many
0: quilts would you but have somebody, to make? But somebody's making money on quilts because we all have quilts. I mean, somebody is making money. Yeah, so someone oh, has I figured. See. But someone, but here's the thing: If someone has figured out that they love it. They figured out how to monetize it. They figured out how to make it worth their time, yeah. and they're being successful at it. And I think that that is that is the point is. These people aren't selling quilts though. They are selling patterns and they're selling fabric. That is where the money is. Sure, in no, no but, quilting. But my point is, is that just because you're good at something doesn't mean you have the business sense to sell it. Yeah, is more what I think should be said. Like it is not about like sure everyone can sell it or whatever, and then you get to the bottom of it and you're like this isn't worth it. But there's very few people who can take something that they're good at that they love, and then figure out how to monetize it with a decent profit. Right. And I think that is where the lesson is. Not yeah. everyone can do that. Not, and like even as someone who owns a business and, and, and is successful at businesses, we, you obviously can't figure out how to monetize and sell a quilt. I can't, no. You know? would it'd be
1: very expensive.
0: Yes. Well, I also really loved her um, fish analogy. Oh, I loved that. I thought that was really great. I think it was a great way to visualize problems. And I do think that we get into this situation where we have a problem and we think it's one thing and then you get down into it and you're like, oh, well, that was not the problem. Yeah. That's just what we wanted it to be. And it really actually wasn't.
1: I know. Yeah. But I it was the pool of people like that you're... The
0: ocean. ocean the ocean was the, the market. The market, right. And then the bait was like how people are finding you. The hook is how you're reeling them in, essentially. Yeah. The fish is the... You. No, the fish is the... Oh, the client. The client. And then the fisherman you're the fisherman. fisherman. Yeah, right. You're the fisherman. Were you in the same podcast? I was.
1: Yeah, I was. <laughs> I thought you said fisherman. I, I no, said not. it before you finished the ermine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I love that. I think it's a great way to approach problems Mm -hmm. in business like is it my market Mm -hmm. is it how I like trying to sell myself is it how I'm reeling them in yeah you know and we do that slightly like with statistics like with the Bradford we have this is how many inquiries we get this is how much bait we we got right Right. and then how are we gonna do how many of that do we get to tour like what's that hook Mm -hmm. and then how many of that tour do we actually get to book you Which know, is your fish. Right. And you can kind of see the breakdown. Yeah. And we have percentages we try to keep at. But Yeah.
1: I thought it was good. I thought that was a clear way to look at it. And I think a lot of times it's the fishermen.
0: I think most, I think like 90% of the time it's the fishermen. I think sometimes it's the bait. Oh, yeah. I think that's another big one. I would say sometimes I think the next biggest issue is the bait. Because I think we undersell ourselves too much. Yeah. And if you can't articulate the kind of client you want and – and you can't be confident into what you're selling and who you are, mm-hmm. then you're never going to get that client.
1: Yeah. I think that's definitely true.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like I could talk about planning to anybody, even though I'm not planning weddings, I could talk in a very thorough way that would make anybody want to book me for planning because I've had so much experience So mm-hmm. you can like speak to all the situations, you know, and I think it's easy to sell once you're super confident in what you're doing. Like, and right. you think your bait is more attractive. Right. But I love that. Like I thought that getting back to Abby that when she had the two failed businesses, she mm-hmm. went back into the workforce to work on some of those mm-hmm. weaknesses, right? To kind of like yeah. improve her bait and how she felt right. about it and what she was putting out there. Yeah. I thought that was like very uh, insightful.
0: Well, yeah, but it, it, was, it, it was brought about by her friend telling her, hey, you need to go do this. Like yeah. you need to go learn how to, how to take criticism. You need to go learn how to to understand like why you're failing essentially mm-hmm. and I love I love that idea especially for a solopreneur like having what I call that board of directors right and it's something that I don't I honestly never thought as an issue one probably because I we always had each other but I really came across like as such, something that was really important for businesses during covid I felt like we served on a lot of people's as board of directors for yeah. people that would call and say like I don't have a business partner, so I need to bounce this idea off you. Like, I don't know how many times a caterer or a planner called and said, this is my situation. What would you do? How would you handle it? Yeah. And they didn't always take my advice. Right. But I always gave them an opinion. Yeah. About how I would handle it.
1: Yeah. I love that about our industry. Yeah, I know. Yeah.
0: But I, my question would be, like, what? who would serve on your board of directors? Other than me, obviously.
1: Well, definitely my friend Krista. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we're always, like, on the same wavelength. So mm-hmm. we can talk without defining terms, if that makes sense. Yep. Like, oh, this is what I actually meant or whatever. Mm-hmm. Could just say it. Um, and also she's not afraid to, like, point out where I'm being ridiculous or mm-hmm. where maybe I'm not working to my fullest self, you know. Right. But I don't know. Like, somebody that I – it would have to be, like, somebody that I admire, like, somebody that mm-hmm. I respect what they're doing in business. Mm-hmm. So I don't, even, I can't even think of somebody necessarily like in our industry that I would put on our mm. board of directors
0: hmm.
1: for me personally. Cause
0: you're like afraid to say it out loud or like you just, no, like I like, like, like,
1: I don't know. Like there's women who like, I find super inspiring, like Sarah Blakely with like Spanx and whatnot. Mm. And I okay, a, so
0: let's, let's talk about attainable board of directors. Okay. Like right now in your life, not like, this is not like an ideal board of directors. This is like, if you were by yourself. And you had issues, who would be, who would you call right now in your life? You're not gonna call Sarah Blakely. Maybe she'll answer. I doubt it.
1: Uh I would call Rachel Sheeran, probably. Oh yeah, that's a good Because I think she would keep me motivated, yeah. like and super pumped up. I would have Krista because she would keep me super grounded. Uh-huh. I would definitely have you because you would mm-hmm. have insight into my like current situation. Right. And then I don't know. I would want somebody that I just kind of admire their like all togetherness like how they Mm -hmm. keep all their balancing their work life shit together Hmm. like I don't know who that is
0: Hmm. mystery person mystery
1: person do you have any any applicants for that one
0: I don't know but I think that's I think that's like a farce in general so
1: I don't know maybe it'll come to me who's on your board directors
0: I feel like mine would be so much bigger, which is part, like part of the issue. Like, so when I'm having an issue, the people that I call, like I, I love my friend Becky for her personal, like my personal life balance. Like I feel like she, she has her shit together. I think, she, I think she does. Maybe yeah. she can join my board. I, I think she has a really good balance of life and expectations. Yeah. Um, and I appreciate that. And she is someone who can speak truth, but she's also someone who can speak truth in a way that you can hear it, which I need. That's just how I need to. I I appreciate that. I do. I call my friend Nikki a lot or kind of in different phases of life, but I feel like she has great, like overarching business sense, like business goals. Yeah. Like she's been part of her family business for many, many years. So I feel like that's helpful. And she also understands the family business side of things sometimes, like Mm -hmm. that emotional, like ownership, legacy type things. That's always super helpful. I call my grandmother a lot. I call my Nina, yeah, like because I think she just makes me remember, like reminds me of all the good things in life, mm-hmm. and like the that I'm that I'm that I'm good, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like she's always a quick to.
1: She's a very affirming person. A very affirming person. Yes. I do appreciate I that.
0: Yeah, I do love Rachel. She would probably be on there because if you ever need to like you need to need to be convinced of something, she can convince you of anything. That's true. Like anything. Yeah. But she also, at the same time, will tell you when you're being stupid. Yeah, she Like will. she did one time tell us like, that's a stupid idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was a stupid idea. It was a stupid idea, even though we didn't listen to it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Point for you, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think that would probably be it. And I, I mean, I don't think I'd put Sam on there because I don't think he would be objective enough. Like yeah, he just yeah. goes along with whatever I think because he wants me to be happy. Yeah. But I do appreciate his groundingness.
1: Yeah. And that's good. Yeah. No I wasn't on there. Yeah, you were.
0: Did I not say you? No. Oh, you're on there too.
1: <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to be just to be a secretary and take minutes on what everybody I else says. <laughs> I think I just assumed I said it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I do think that. I feel like you know me better than anybody else. Yeah. So that's Probably accurate.
1: Yeah. You don't have any backstory for me. No. Yeah. It's all just front story. I
0: don't even need to say it out loud, apparently. I, I just I assumed.
1: I actually pack snacks for you when we go places. I'm like, oh, I know she's gonna need a snack at some point. I feel like it's now.
0: So. It's true. Yeah. Well, I out not hear my stomach growling. No, I didn't. Thing. I just knew that you are oh. gonna need one. Yes, yes. And oh. I thought it was really good. I, 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 think, I think what I loved to sum it up was her energy. I loved her transparency. Yeah. And I loved just how true she was about who she was. Like she, like I, I think there was something really refreshing about her just saying like, it made me mad. I didn't like it. I loved how she said how she was like, I realized I was being super petty because I just this person was annoying me. Like mm-hmm. who says that? Yeah. Like, and I love that because it's so true. Like I've been petty, so petty before with clients because they've annoyed me. Like, I don't know. I just love that. Yeah. The authenticity of that.
1: I thought she was super authentic for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she like had a real true sense of self yeah. that I appreciated. Yes. And like being able to talk about her weaknesses mm-hmm. and talk about her strengths, like celebrate those and realize where she needed to grow mm-hmm. and where she didn't need to grow. Right. And like own all of that, yep. you know, cause I think it's really refreshing when someone can like own when they're a badass, but mm-hmm. then also own when they're like failing. Yeah. Something.
0: No, I thought she did that really, really well. Yeah.
1: Thanks, everyone, for gathering with us today to talk about the hustle. To learn more about Abby, her business, and her podcast, visit ForHerEmpire.com or follow her on Instagram at ForHerEmpire. We hope you get a chance to make a virgin pineapple mint mojito this week in honor of Abby, and cheers to accepting criticism.
0: And to learn more about our hustles, visit CNDEvents.com, TheBradfordNC.com, AnthemHouseNC.com, and HustleAndGather.com, or follow us on Instagram at CNDEvents.com. At the Bradford NC, at anthem.house, and at Hustle and Gather. And if you like the show, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. This
1: podcast is a production of Ear Fluence. I'm Courtney. And I'm Dana. And we'll talk to you next time on Hustle and Gather.